It's episode 43 of G.I. Joeberg, the Nets Only podcast about G.I. Joe, coming to you from Cape Town and Johannesburg, South Africa, the Dark Continent. Be free, freedom. Freedom, be free. <laughs> My name is Stephen. That gentleman's name is Paul. And we brought our third friend along. He's called Rob. Say hi, boys. Hi, boys. Hi, boys. There's a joker in every deck. (laughs) Oh, and we got two in this one. (laughs) I don't know what voice he's trying to do, but that's the best Baroness ever. (laughs) That was like, I don't know what that was. That was... And the reason for levity is the fact that we are talking about the cartoon series. That's not a Baroness impersonation, that's just me being crazy, because we're all like cartoonified. We're talking about The Revenge of Cobra, the 1984 miniseries that aired on the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th of September. So, hmm, there's some symmetry there. Hey, it's September. It is September. We're talking about The Revenge of Cobra. Definitely, and today is the 14th. So, that means it's the 30th anniversary of uh, Amusement Park of Terror. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, to kick off our review of this installment of The Revenge of Cobra, we have at our fingertips... Wikipedia's very adequate and precise and concise summary of the plot. If my internet would just hurry the fuck up. Wikipedia is encyclopedia spelled sideways. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Zartan broadcasts an unsecured message to the Joes and Cobra offering to bargain for his particular fragment. Both sides trace his call to an amusement park. Cobra captures Zartan, and now they possess all the pieces of the Weather Dominator since Storm Shadow sneaked into G.I. Joe headquarters and stole their fragment. Duke and company raid the Cobra Command Center as Roadblock uses vines to attack Destro. The Joes are able to destroy the Weather Dominator, rescue Duke, and company, and apprehend Cobra Commander. However, Destro and Zartan manage to escape on a hang glider. Dun dun dun! Hmm, that's a that's a good summary with a few mistakes, like I've noticed before in these summaries. Well, I wish you'd point them out, Rob. Well, in episode three, like that summary said, Zartan showed up. Oh yeah. He did not. He did not indeed, but then again, he is the master of disguise. So who knows that you were actually looking at Baroness. You could have been looking at a dude. And that semi in your pants, you know, is rather embarrassing. It's a weird boner. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep my chubby down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then also here, they do not destroy the Weather Dominator. They actually use it to correct the havoc the Cobra has caused. But we're jumping the gun. We are indeed. Jump in the gun. We need to kick this episode off with a resolution to a little bit of conflict that we had amongst ourselves in episode 42. A G.I. Joburg resolution. Where where some of us were proven wrong and others of us were proven right. 
Well, Rob, <clears throat> you know the score, buddy. What happened? I know the score. You claimed, claimed <laughs> that apparently in episode three... The Palace of Arthur, Doom. Yes, Temple of Doom, <laughs> that the uh, gigantic Cobra robot had both his arms ripped off. At least it appeared so in several shots of the episode, when in fact, for the entire rest of the episode, when he had one of his arms ripped off, it was only ever shown one armless. <laughs> and take another crack at that. <laughs> <laughs> it in fact was okay. always only shown with one... Wait, okay. So, you claimed that it had... Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys are making radio here. We, we need to keep, keep your minds right. Keep your minds right. Okay, I'm right. Right, said Fred. Okay. <clears throat> In the sequence of the episode, one of the arms of the, of the, of the Cobra robot gets ripped off. And you claimed that at some point during that sequence... It was shown with both its arms ripped off, which was some sort of error on the part of the animators. But I stood up for the animators, and I proved by rewatching that sequence that, in fact, it always had that one arm still attached. Yep. Now I claim my prize, mm. my Joe. Yes, the stake was you would have any Joe of mine. Any Joe. What will it be? That's crazy. You have a lot of Joes. Mm-hmm. Shit. I didn't think this through. So I don't think I'd win. So I always assume you're right. I don't even know why. Uh, I alas, to check, a, trick I of, I a trick of light. A yes. black hand against a black backdrop made it look like he had no hand. Yeah, but when you slow that stuff down... Okay, okay, wise guy, you win. <laughs> Anyway, while you deliberate which Joe of mine you want more than any other, mm. Paul seemed to believe that Zartan showed up in his submarine before episode four. But upon rewatching, I think we can all agree, Paul was in error. No, I'm not. But Paul <laughs> is a savvy guy, and he did not accept my wager. So he Just doesn't, owe, he doesn't owe me no Joes. Just remember the Baroness calls for air support and Ripper or Torch is like, aren't you going to answer her? And he's like, no, I won't. I'm going to sit here and pontificate. Okay. <laughs> True story. But yes, Steve is right. I am savvy and I don't bet with my Joes or my hoes. Paul seems to have like the, the Revenge of Cobra redux with the never before seen footage. So that's what he's speaking about. You know what, dude? I'm actually going to look that up once we conclude the show. Uh, I, when I say look it up, I'm actually going to look it up and see if there are any extra scenes that they added or something. Because you're really possible. after Armadillo. You know I've got a spare one, and you want that guy. Yeah. He wants Crocmaster. Oh, yeah. I want Crocmaster, dude. I've got a fun. Damn. I've got a fun school Croc Crocmaster. No, dude, dude. You know what? I don't need your Joes. I know how hard it is to find those bad boys. I don't need your Joes. It's true. It's I don't have good. to look hard at all. I just walk into my room and they're there. Exactly. Yeah. And how you got them into your room in the first place, what I'm talking about. It's 11 yeah. rand to the dollar, yo. It is. Probably flinging those yo. things around. It's a dark yeah, day in deepest, darkest Africa. Oof. Don't bet with your Joes or your hoes. Seriously, words to live by. 
You're gonna Damn. lose. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna lose. Okay, guys, enough joking around. We got an episode to do. Yeah, and as we were left in the last episode with that spectacular weather-based cliffhanger of the Joes being crushed by an avalanche, we discover Flint has a masterful plan to get them out of this. Fire your lasers! Ice melts! <laughs> That's right. You heard they it. They found another use for their lasers. And Flint's you've parents, learned something. Flint's Ice parents didn't waste money sending him to school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is the most educated of the G.I. Joes, isn't he? Definitely. No one else came up with that plan. Yeah. And they blast, and they blast with their lasers, and then it looks as if, wow, maybe that didn't work, but old Lady Hawkeye, she uh, takes out a diamond-tipped spear and cuts them out. I yeah. Think. Yep, because the snow has already solidified into ice. And you can't just has push it aside. <laughs> a gigantic diamond on a spear. Which she How keeps many carrots? How many carrots is that diamond? I mean, that's going to be worth quite a lot of money. What is she doing on the Joe team? Because she likes danger. Like I do. <laughs> that is quite superb, Rob. Well played. <laughs> and then they have a great line, and Flint's, he's not having any of it. She's like, diamonds are a guy's best friend. And he's like, but time is nobody's friend. <laughs> Let's move it. But... He says, let's move it. And he's like, regroup back at headquarters. Yo, Joe! They all start shouting yo, Joe. And there's even a couple of like whoops of like excitement. <laughs> yeah! Woo! Yo, Joe! Exactly. Hey, hey! They, they got to have Flint's back, man. He, he just like embarrassed himself with that totally shit line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, worst comeback ever. He had to scramble for something because if he acknowledges the fact that diamonds are a guy's best friend... I don't know, I just imagine Gung Ho in the background saying, Gay! <laughs> I, I imagine him going, The sure. <laughs> oh, look at all your little hats. <laughs> and, yeah, did you notice that Gung Ho lost his hat in that last little shot where they're shouting Yojo? <laughs> He's bald. He has no hat on. It's like, oops, I lost my hat. I was wondering if so Gung Ho actually had a head of hair or not. Nope, he is indeed bald, at least according to the uh, Sunbower Marvel animators. can't imagine him with hair anyway. He'd probably look like a strange vegetable. They should do, they should do an origin story for Gunner, I think. Marvel Comics, he's got hair. Really? Believe it. I'm well, I haven't read a Joe comic in, in ages. Do you want to take another bit? No. No. <laughs> because I don't doubt you. I just need to check that out. That sounds cool. Hey, man, I'm fallible. Rob proved that. It's true. Stephen might be completely wrong now. Anyway, we are dwelling on uh, my my imminent loss of a Joe. (laughs) When we should actually talk about the fact that Zartan sends out a message to G.I. Joe and Cobra telling him that the highest bidder will get the laser call. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Why is he surprised when they show up? (laughs) Is he not yeah. intimately aware of the telecommunication capabilities of at least the Cobra forces? Mm, He's been inside be. their headquarters probably countless times. He's yeah, used the like, equipment probably. Yeah. It it is a weird one for me as well because when I watched it the first time I was like, Oh, 
Zlatan's actually quite smart. He's doing this to lure them because that's the best way to get them there, you know? He's not going to go and tell them where he's at and whatever. He's going to let them use their brains to find him. And he even says something about the cleverest one will pay. But yeah. on rewatching, it is actually a mistake. It is actually it's like definitely a, a mistake, like, but he doesn't even own up to it. Or maybe it's part of his plan because as he says himself, I adore seeing a scheme come together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so it's weird. Animal it's, much? Yep. It's in, yeah, it's very ambiguous. You know. I expected a cigar at that point. <laughs> well, maybe the fact that he gets upset with himself for, um, well, surprised that there are two massive forces converging on his bayou, bayou uh, amusement bayou park. Bayou World Park. Yeah. <laughs> Not just a bayou. Maybe that's part of his paranoid bayou. schizophrenia. It could be. That's some very like interesting characterization that mm. they, you know, they put that in there. And somewhat controversial characterization, because that was the detail that got taken out of his file card. Yeah. Yeah. The original file card did uh, speak about his disorders. They're probably developing this, you know, during the process of developing the toys and the file cards. The file card was probably probably still, it had probably just been recalled, actually. Yeah, so they had these details, because I mean... As, as I think we've stated a few times before, a lot of the figures and perhaps and the vehicles as well are featured in this miniseries haven't even been released yet. I mean, mm. this is like a preview of toys that people are going to get soon. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they, they have these, you know, these way early details. And I, I can definitely see, see a situation where, like, they include these sorts of very subtle character references and character sort of traits. And how, like, later on, it's like, whoa, you know, whoops. Knowing a few things about Ron Friedman, who wrote the show, allegedly, there's a few interviews where they interview him regarding the show, and he says a few things about the show. He actually disregards the file cards. In fact, the way he... The the respect that he has for the file cards is actually the one thing that makes me dislike him, because he turns around and he's all like, oh yeah, there's some file cards written with some very simple information about these characters, and I really wanted to bring them alive, and da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, you're a dickhead, shut up. <laughs> well, we definitely um, saw that with, with Torpedo. I mean, complete yeah, exactly. mischaracterization, at least according to his file cards, and the way he's characterized in the comics. Yeah. Bazooka, as you will discover, is also a recipient of some rather ham-fisted characterization. Yeah, very much so. And I don't want to get into that because there's a spoiler there for, for Rob, and uh, it is something I mentioned in an earlier episode that I think he would appreciate when he finds out for himself. Indeed. Excellent. He, you know, he sends out this um, unsecured telecommunication to the, to the teams, and Doc, you know, he communicates with Flint, come in, Flint, we've traced Zartan to the swamps. And it does does a similar thing. Yes, change cost for the bayou. Geography in the cartoon is is there only one swamp in the entire world? And apparently, it's sort of shaped like Australia and sort of shaped <laughs> like South Africa. I'm not sure. It's, or Africa. I, I'm pretty I sure it's in are, Florida. Yeah, Me too. Florida, Florida. perhaps, but they're, they're like the swamps. They're, they're, there's no. They never identify. Any geographical places. I mean, like, roof of the world, that's where that is. And then, mm. like, there, there are multiple deserts. I mean, like, was the desert that they were in, Flint and 
in the mountain junkyard, like Nevada. the same desert, where yeah, Nevada. I mean, but like they were on their way to the temple. So does that mean then the Cobra's base of operations? I mean, is everything happening in America? I mean, yeah, I think geography in general is such an amorphous thing in the series. I think regards to Zartan's location in particular, I think they do have a zoomed out map at one point. It's got to be either in Cobra, Commander's yeah, Chamber, or when oh. Doc and Covergirl, who gets her only, or second to only cameo in the series. Unnamed cameo. Well, recognize yeah. But definitely they both have maps going on. So and I mean, I'm pretty sure at one point you see that it is, in fact, that little tail end on the, the southeast coast. A.K.A. Florida. Yeah. Okay, so definitely. Still, in general geography, I mean, it's just weird. Sometimes they're driving to certain places. Sometimes they're flying. And sometimes you can, I mean, like they go, I don't know. It's very weird to me. Mm. The Sky I, Strikers arrive at the same time as the Vamps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's just, a, that's just a small point that so far still bothers me is geography. With weird, like, proto-places. You know, like, there's the jungle, there's the desert, there's the roof of the world. Well, who wants to uh, pack your mini-series with a lot of travel? I mean, you just want to showcase exotic locations. Yeah. yeah Never spare true. a thought for how they got there. Yeah. And how do they get to the bayou? Very, very cool. At least, you know, that Cobra arrives with the Rattlers and their gigantic Cobra plane, which... <laughs> The size of that Cobra plane as well is very weird to me. <laughs> they arrive at the roof of the world and like Destro and Major Blood are climbing out of it in you know in the previous episode. And the mouth opens and it disgorges the sort of like tunnel machine. But then in the first episode and in this episode, they're launching like Chinook helicopters. Chinook helicopters mm-hmm. out of it. Even rattlers, I think, even come out of the mouth. Chinooks carrying it. Chinooks carrying Stinger Jeeps and his tanks. So the exception. What is the size of this thing? It's so confusing and it's so fast. I mean, if you see in the first episode, like they VTOL it, they like turn almost on a dime and there's like, they're out of there. This thing feels to me to be probably the biggest aircraft, you know, like the cargo aircraft in the world. The fact that you can have a Chinook take off (laughs) and be airborne. Inside its interior. And have multiple of them fly out of the mouth at the same time. I mean, sometimes you see like three of them flying out. This is a toy that we are so begging for. <laughs> yeah, if this thing is, would be bigger than the, the flag. This would be uh-huh. the biggest toy in the entire toy line if they had ever released it. Agreed. <laughs> Second only to Cobra's airship. The, Which I would know. love. Yeah, from the opening of G.I. Joe the movie. Oh, God, that. Wow. That is very correct. And then there's a close second that comes to that as well. The big blue one that's actually in the opening of the cartoon of the animated series, which you never actually see in the show ever, except for in the opening sequence of the TV series. Mm. That yes. thing reminds me of Independence Day, alien mm. vessels. Yeah, it's I was like about kind to of say so. Long. I love that. Yeah, circular shape, disc shape. Very weird. And it's got a very classy snake face. But anyway, we, we, we're veering a little bit because... We're getting away. To get us back on track, I too absolutely yeah. love Cobra's arrival at the bayou. The bayou. Mm, the bayou. Yeah. It's um, very big and brash and they're in there and it's huge. 
but after their initial onslaught, once they land the ground troops, the his tanks and the stingers, the tension just seems to build to a nice simmer. Now let Sartan taste the bitter fruits of vengeance. Cobra! response from Zartan at all. Patience, Destro. Patience. <laughs> Break your unit into several combat teams. If retaliation is forthcoming, we don't want to present too large a target. That is all for <gasps> Kitty Cars. Is this the contempt in which Zartan holds me? <laughs> Destro says things mm-hmm. like, there's no answering barrage, no response from Zartan at all. And Zartan almost telepathically replies to Destro saying, patience, Destro, patience. There's a great bit of legitimate, at least I think, military strategy going into it. Breaking into smaller yeah. teams. We don't want to present too large a target. Which is great. But of course, it's too late because it's at that mm-hmm. exact moment that Zartan lets Destro have it with all his <laughs> fun park equipment. <laughs> yeah. And before that all it's, falls it's... into play, I love how smart Zartan is. Sorry, it's just something that they they push in this miniseries in quite a strong way, especially in the last episode. You definitely see it come through. But once again, I mean, he's goading Cobra Commander. In that video call, he says only a smart one, you know, only an intelligent person kind of thing would pay the money up front. He's really goading a Cobra Commander because he knows Joe won't fall for that. He knows Joe is never going to pay the money or do anything. But he knows Cobra Commander is going to be like sort of incensed by that remark. I love that. And it's also one of those things that I think maybe that that they imply quite heavily. But then again, our adult G.I. Joe loving brains see that or that it comes through at least for me it did in a big way and was, I thought it was worth mentioning seeing as we were getting back into like some military strategy you know it's all very cool but what is Zartan's ultimate plan surely he anticipated mm. a retaliation surely he anticipated that he's kicked the hornet's nest I've got to have a plan now unfortunately his plan really centers around this booby trap which <laughs> G.I. Joe actually pulls Cobra's chestnuts out of the fire. And this is yep. very cool. But someone else can take mm, a crack at favorite. it. Yeah. My it's favorite scene awesome. in this episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Love it so much. It's so cool. I know you guys might feel the same way, but for me, when I'm thinking of my Joes and I'm thinking of some method of insertion into a, a hot zone, I'm always thinking Halo Jump being delivered by parachute. How cool is it when Breaker and I wanted I was about to say ripcord, but it is ripcord. Mm-hmm. No, it's not ripcord. Yes. Yeah, and they both jump it is off, ripcord. and and it's, it's so cool because they get down and they they act like a, a proper sapper team. They go in and they go and booby trap the power station of all places. To which Michelle remarked, 
oh, look at G.I. Joe just blowing up some random building. <laughs> Which I had to <laughs> that because she was just like, when Breaker and Ripcord hit the ground. <laughs> what, what is his line? Let's play Commando. <laughs> Congratulations. That's what you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it right, finally. <laughs> Do not... Um, Glider pilots or windsurfer operators or playing laser tag, blue laser technicians. You are commandos. commandos. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ripcord's a no-brainer. They jump out of an airplane. Mm. But Breaker? Yeah. I mean, Triple I would have been a a pretty decent explosive expert to have along. Hell, even um, Torpedo, being a a Navy SEAL, you know, with a specialty of underwater demolitions, I believe. Would well, be a better fit. <laughs> Thankfully, they did not feature sparks. I mean, sparks. weren't they setting him up as the replacement? It's weird that, you know, I mean, you, you did mention earlier in the, the you know, the run of the Revenge of Cobra that here's sparks, but they also have Breaker. And then as you get to the end of the series, suddenly Breaker takes on a, a larger role. It's like, why did you introduce the character at all? I guess it's because Breaker's now... I really now- get that. Breaker's now expendable. Mm. Oh. Bye-bye, Breaker. You can jump out of airplanes. we got Sparks. He's holding it down. Hell, we don't even need Sparks. <laughs> We've got Doc and Covergirl answering the phone. Yep, Doc yeah. Science. <laughs> In the command room. But it's very cool. You know, it feels like a proper mission, almost like a special missions. You know, they're dropping yeah. in... They're sneaking up on the power plant. You know, they've they figured out exactly where they need to go. They blow it up. They disable all of Zartan's defenses. Well, it disables Zartan's defenses. Right, so it's, that the GI Joes can move in on the ground without a massive yeah. shock. Yes. Knock out the grid. Yep, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they knock out the power grid, so now there's no power. And they even yeah. somehow even to be managed partial to. Power. Well, it's probably backup power, but that's only to his command room. Yeah. Which is they're able to sort of trace back. The command room and the roller coaster. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we blew it. It looks like Cobra's going to overrun us. So, Dreadnoughts, get the laser core. We're getting on the coaster. Whee! That was fun. And then the Dreadnoughts, <laughs> they totally get the hell out of there. As our <laughs> hands, like, fooling around with the water moccasin. Shit, how do you start this thing? And his facial expression. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. I love that. Like, I think oh, it's so good. shit, you caught me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I expect to see that one on on IM. <laughs> so just to clarify, Zartan tries to get away in a water moccasin with the laser core, yes. but he gets yanked out of the cockpit by Destro. Yes, and then he tries to talk his way out of it. And Which then soon, I've always thought yeah. Zartan's bargaining posture at that point is laughable because you've got the giant glowing laser core. Not even a meter away. Yeah. Mm. Like, no, don't hurt me, Destro. I'll give you the laser core. <laughs> okay, Zartan, uh, I won't hurt you. I mean, Des- <laughs> Destro wants to kick the shit out of him. Destro's yeah, like, Destro. you, you made me divert course, risk my ass, get shot at. You, you're going down, buddy. Definitely. Yeah. And soon we'll discover what terrible absolutely horrible and painful and oh it's the most horrendous punishment cobra commander meets out on zartan Mm. 
it's just it's unspeakable what he does to him. I just I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Why keep us guessing? Come on. Well, right. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what happens. What happens? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happens. I because... was complete uh, in that scene. I was completely on Destro's side and his face at the end of that scene. So was I. Beautiful shadows on his on his you know over his eyes and he's like, "You're not gonna punish him? No, I'm not. You see, he brought the peace to us. <laughs> he brought it to us. We're best. It doesn't things. matter that um, he took it away when we were actually just about to get it anyway on the roof of the world. He brought it to us. I forgive you, Zartan. Give me a kiss. <laughs> We're besties. <laughs> Best at, which point, for life. at which point I wanted Cobra Commander to put his armor on Zartan, go for a little stroll, and then push yeah. into... T- <laughs> what the fuck's it called? Arena, arena, arena of Sport. The arena sport. <laughs> well, either that or take them from behind. <laughs> Jeez. It's better and better. <laughs> Duke's got a perler of a line in this, <laughs> in this episode. Oh, I love it. Yes, we get back to them in the arena sport and they're still fighting off those giant robots. Yeah. Breaking off panels from the floor. Once again, oh. w- once again, Michelle's wisdom kicked in here and she's like, my God, those are slow snakes. All of that <laughs> other stuff happened and the snakes still haven't reached the Jones. <laughs> yes, because... All of that stuff happened, and then we now catch up to them after Zartan has... Is, is it after they've returned to the place? Yes, it is. Wow. That is crazy. No, they, then, they, wrap up, they wrap up the arena of sport after Zartan's broadcast. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, but yes, then, that's right, yeah. Then we cut oh, yes. to the Joes at large, because they managed to get Honda Lou West to save their asses. Oh, how did they her... do that? What, what's, what's Duke's line? What does he say that, that sort of... Uh, it's, it's later. But anyway, Honda Lou West oh. causes the, the snakes to short out because she reversed the polarity by making the one rod touch the other rod because <laughs> you don't want to touch your rods ever. Yes. No. But, but, but Duke, he, he, he talks to himself, comes up with a plan, and then he says, Honda Lou, ready for a ride? Oh, yeah. Just say, giddy up! <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the perler of a line that I thought Duke had was uh, yeah? we got a cobra at either end yeah, yeah. oh yes <laughs> <laughs> after they escape and they're running around the center for hours it seems yeah no like roadblocks running commentary more twists than a pretzel factory with the bands <laughs> love that line though <laughs> but it's crazy <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't make a great deal of sense if you think about it too hard, but yeah. if I was a wobbly-toothed eight-year-old watching this over my morning cereal, I, I would think, yeah, that's interesting. What's the bends? <laughs> <laughs> Baby's got the bends. Yeah. Oh. This episode definitely got a lot of people into Radiohead. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, does anybody Ten think years, it's though. good? Does anybody think it's weird how they're so willing to sacrifice a civilian? I mean, couldn't they have just launched Snake Eyes, or couldn't Snake Eyes have just launched himself? But no, they're like, oh, Hunter Lou, she's expendable. There isn't a toy of her that we know about. Let's lower into the electric poles. 
Well, they needed to give her something to do. Like, she'd been helping Roblox. You've been building up this cartoon-only character. Give her something else to do. And she does do more stuff later on as well. She's very useful. She's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure she is useful. She grabs cobras at each end. (laughs) What I found weird is that, okay, later they're now wandering through the cobra at each end. They go into the sewer system or something of of the temple of cobra. And... Duke whoops out his homing device. Oh, like, yes. let me just put this here now uh, <laughs> and activate this. Now the Joes will find us. <laughs> Did they not search them? Did, what? Yeah, yeah, Where is he keeping that? I mean, like, they let Snake Eyes keep his bloody utility belt with his like, for the communications fact that they, device. Except the for the fact device. that they remove, they do actually remove Snake Eyes' grenades. Yes. Well, that's yeah, good, that, at least. Weapons. Yeah, they removed that guy's grenades, but communications gear is optional. Hey, for we know Duke has been stashing it. You know what I mean? You know? Where was that homing device? It's laughable. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I had to smuggle it in my gut. <laughs> oh. Look at the size of that thing. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know that that homing device would not be so offensive, okay? Because in the sewer scene, he's like, I'm going to place this homing device right here and then it does a snap cut to to the base the hq and they're like it's duke's personal homing beacon and i'm like oh, you, you're, saying, you're saying that he might have acquired it somehow in the cobra base yeah and that would at least explain partly why he didn't use it way back in episode one when he yeah. got abducted <laughs> when he first when got he was catching these well know? here's here's my response to that he didn't manage to steal it from the cobra base because it's green and it has a white star on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is clearly GI Joe's standard issue. Yeah, and you don't need Flint to tell you it's Duke's personal distress beeper. No, no, no. we can all see that plan as day. That ain't no Cobra piece of hardware. It yeah. still makes no sense either way. It's just what? Why do you need to just earlier? It's a twist. <laughs> No, in the scene that that Cobra Commander forgives Zartan, maybe I'm reading too much into it. There might be a, a, an ominous note to that. It's like, <laughs> if you stick around, Zartan, I'm gonna feed you to my electro snakes. I wouldn't mind getting an animation cell of Destro because his close-ups are very maniacal. cool. Mm. That is so beautiful. good. Yeah, close-up. Mm. But I don't uh, think there's I mean, they're laughing at the end of that scene, though. They're like, hey, that was fun, wasn't it? Well, once again, I could be reading in too much, but I'd like to think that's an uncomfortable laugh. Just like uh, <laughs> all the laughs that happen where Shipwreck's concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Joe! Push this guy into the ejection seat without the parachute. <laughs> There's quite a cool payoff to a setup that they had all the way in episode one. Mm. And that's when... Roadblock finds his way into the, I suppose, conservatory or yes, lab. I love this. I the really bottles like of the vines. I don't mm. know if anyone else wants to read this quote. Have you got it, Stephen? We both got it, it seems. Both. Okay. Who do you want to be, Duke or Roadblock? I'll be Duke. Okay. Okay. Um, This is no time for gardening, Roadblock. Man! Where these scrawny vines are concerned, I am a man with a big green thumb. 
and I'm gonna stick that thumb right up Cobra's ass. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Snake Eyes is like, he's losing it to Duke. <laughs> and yeah. Duke's like, up with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, great note to play. Like, who is this roadblock guy? He sneaks into Cobra HQ just to like face plant the Cobra commander and then like laugh <laughs> while he gets and sing the G.I. Joe theme song while he's getting beaten up. Um, he, he is a sadist. He's off the rails crazy. He is. I mean, and he rhymes. I mean, that should be your first clue. In a TV show where violence is kind of shunned, the place of the heavy machine gunner is quite dubious. But let me tell you, he doesn't appear with Marduce in this entire miniseries. Mm. They managed to find a use for Roadblock without his signature weapon. Mm. I mean, I've always thought of those two things as inseparable. But guess what? There's a whole lot more going for Mr. Hinton. And Very cool. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I, yeah. No. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but that laugh as he walks out of the room with his little vines in his paw... It's just, it's to die for. It's something else. It's possessed. <laughs> and it's great that they brought those back. I mean, mm. that that's a really cool moment. And it's nice how it kind of pays off in how they take down Cobra. Yep. It's the I revenge mean, of G.I. Joe. Uh, yeah. In essence. It's the revenge, the revenge of, of nature. Mm. Yes, and it's yeah, nature once again. I mean, it's a you know the, the theme that I mean we discussed in the last episode. It ended every episode, the cliffhangers, and how it. I mean, it definitely comes back into play now. Nature again is is the downfall of Cobra. Yeah, Cobra's got Joe on the ropes. The Joes are assaulting the Cobra Temple, but Destro is able to very successfully ward them off with firstly a giant fireball. Yeah, heat wave. Yeah, and then a massive snowstorm. So Joe's almost KO, but yeah, and then Ro- lightning is striking down, you know, their vehicles. Roadblock and the vines save the day. Yeah. No force on earth can withstand nature gone mad. That's good. I love the delivery of that line. Mm. It is, it's gorgeous, actually. It's, it's once again, it, it harkens back to that line in the in episode four. It's so rich and full of texture. I love it. Love Destro in this miniseries. He's so. Badass, actually. Yeah. yeah and top so... shelf voice acting. And like for a cartoon series to have so many voice artists on it, that just doesn't happen anymore at mm. all. I think Resolute, they got by with fewer than a dozen. In fact, mm. quite quite a far fewer than that. Yeah. And it's it's so great. And then also with Murderous Intent, he's like, finally, ultimate destruction of the G.I. Joes. There's this build-up of violence, and like with the next shot, you'd take them out. But yep. then the vines take him out. Back at you, Destro. You mess with <laughs> nature, nature messes with you. I find it vine, curious that, yeah. that Zartan uses his camouflage to <laughs> escape the vines. Like, they have eyes. I mean, surely a plant, if it has any senses <laughs> at all, it wouldn't be a visual sense. Of course, yeah. I felt the same way as well because he, he sort of you see him backing off and he like goes invisible and the plants like hmm, fuck it nobody's here. <laughs> <laughs> and the vines. Are what so was that cool. noise? <laughs> Just my imagination. 
the vines are so cool that they not only take Destro out, but they also kind of like pull the trigger back so that the killing blast goes off into the sky. Yep. And so convenient. Like restores <laughs> the weather. Whereas yeah. I'm pretty sure the vine didn't really want that outcome because that vine wants rain. It wants mm-hmm. storms. It wants a deluge to keep growing. So it's getting a lot of water from that hose. That's yeah, it. but then having sunshine over a desert, that water's going to evaporate real quick. So yeah. the plant just screwed itself. That's what you well, get, plant. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then we get a cool moment. Once the, the sky clears, G.I. Joe assaults the temple, and Flint basically does a land and flies into the temple, destroys the mechanism that allows it to go up and down at a rate that is decided by the animators. <laughs> this I thing think either it's... goes really fast or goes really slow, depending Along on with the size of the plane. Story. The size of the plane and like how fast the story needs it to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sex machina. <laughs> it's hilarious, but like... It did give us probably the most stunning half second of animation. You've got an entirely animated background. Mm. As the Sky Striker yes, goes is. into the small opening left by the Cobra Temple as it descends into the mm. sand. Which I've always wondered how the hell that works. Like, how is it then covered up after it's descended? Well, partially covered up. I mean, it like suddenly like goes at an angle. Yeah, and then what? The sand rushes in to fill the hole? Like, I don't oh, know, what, is it, what it. is it descending into? How, uh, how does it work? I hadn't thought. I don't think they had even thought that far. It, it descends and then it like rises through the sand again. And also like once they're down below, does that really stop G.I. Joe from coming after them? <laughs> we know so you are, Cobra. We know you're down there. We just have to wait about four years and then we'll have the rolling thunder and we're going <laughs> to drop some ICBMs on your ass. <laughs> And then they destroy the mechanism, so now it's not going down anymore. And they continue their assault. Then you have Joes running at speed with the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Well, the vehicles which, are which with the dude. Green shirts. Um, well, not just green shirts. I mean, Spirit is running. I think Grant is running with rock them. Rock and roll. Roadblock. Yeah, not roadblock. Rock and roll. <laughs> There's one Joe in particular that I want you to get to who's running. Running with them. Um... Who is that? Oh, come know. on. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. Hint me. He had a green version in eighty three and a tan version in eighty four. Oh wow, clutch. Clutch. Or is it clutch? It's not clutch. Clutch is not only running. Is that clutch? Oh but God. he's running I thought that was great. Yeah. Beside the vamp, Mark II. <laughs> Yes, he is. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. How sacrilegious. What are you thinking? Put him in his vehicle, come on. Like, <laughs> if he if he's running, who the hell's driving? Well, I know who's driving. Gung Ho's driving. Yeah. Come on, man. Gung Ho, don't run. <laughs> exactly. Oh my word. Yeah, you're so right, actually. I mean, I was just blown away by the sheer fact that their vehicles miraculously came back. I mean, Thunder jumped out of the slugger as uh, the lightning bolt hit it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, I, I'm not sure if Covergirl does 
jump out of hers, but a few Wolverines also get toasted. I can only imagine it's one of the three that they show. I think it's one of the three or two that they show earlier. And all of a sudden, the entire fleet is back. They're like, yeah, fuck it. We got our whole silver vehicles ready to rock and roll. We're back again. <laughs> that, that's what I was like, where did they get the replacement vehicles from? And damn, they can run fast. They can in the run sand. really bloody fast. And drive really fast over that sand. Even though, I That's mean, they had established that, you know, the Optimus trucks had driven up to the base. On a road. And there is some sort of road, but you don't see that in, in the sequence. No, it goes down with the temple, apparently. <laughs> Convenient. Just backing up to the temple's elevation system, mm-hmm. Major Blood throws the handle, but it's on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like There's probably more than one handle, but still, that is a bit weird. Because yeah, then it goes down, weird. and then surely the sand would push the handle back up, maybe. You're Precisely yeah. my point, yeah. <laughs> so, but okay. you put it down, it disables it, and then... Okay, we saved everyone inside, but, you know, Major Blood, Baroness, you guys stay outside. And yeah, and it ma- exactly, in Major Blood's position, it would make no sense. If someone on the inside, like Cobra Commander, was like... Ah, throw the switch, let them perish outside, I don't care, as long as we're safe. But the fact that Major Blood seals his fate by throwing the switch, You escape, Cobra Commander! I'll hold them off here! (laughs) Meanwhile, he's the one shouting, Retreat, retreat, retreat! (laughs) Retreat back to the (laughs) handle and then throw it and then let the thing descend while we stand on the surface waving like Well, he he proved himself in what the first episode, he's like, when are we going to go fetch... Cobra Commander. He's a true believer. He so is as a long true as Cobra believer. Commander survives. Drank the Kool-Aid, kind of okay. did he? He definitely he, did. He's he's right up there in the cult. <laughs> yeah, he's big into it because we've also seen Zartan is loyal and disloyal at the same time. And Destro in in the last episode, he's going on about like I must get the parts of my Brother yeah. Dominator back. And then Cobra must... Commander, yeah. And he's like, Don't you mean our Weather Dominator? You know, <laughs> and I actually wrote it. Yeah, here we go. It's, he uses the terms "we," "us," and "ours." Okay, that's Cobra Commander. I mean, just goes like "I, I, I." Yeah, <laughs> we get a nice bit of uh, female bonding as well with Baroness and Scarlet going at each other, uh, only for a few seconds. Yeah, they that's they attack enough. each other. That's Put it on a loop. Yeah. Bang <laughs> <laughs> <Spank>, bang. <laughs> And then we've got Roadblock saving the day. And also just want to note that earlier Lady J and Shipwreck once again shared a seat in the Sky Striker. Yes, that's very interesting. So some inter- uh, Roadblock saves the day, like I said. And they're all standing there around Cobra Commander and Stalker is there. And somehow his beret looks like a Christmas hat. If you guys take, if you guys look again, you'll see it like sort of stands up. Where oh, I missed else. that. <laughs> it's so lame. Is that on the Redux, Paul? Uh, dude, I don't know. It just, I just spotted it. It was very quick. I, I don't even. I think it's one of those. You're not even meant to be looking there because it's not the focal point of the scene, kind of thing. So, <laughs> but yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it. I mean, it's not like very obvious. It's just drawn badly, so it looks like a bit of a Christmas hat. You know that shake that Roadblock and Duke do as they greet each other in the yeah. arena of sport. Yeah. yeah. Flint and Duke do that. Flint and Duke do the same shake. It's like, and you know, sort of a, a, Joe shake. a hip shake and then like a thumbs up. 
So yes, that is the GI Joe shake. Clearly, that's mm. like the thing they do. They're drinking their cola and they're shaking their, you know, shaking their fists at each other. Hey guys, Great. should we do the GI Joe shake when we see each other next? Awesome. <laughs> I think like that's the, a good plan. I'll practice in the mirror. Okay. Should we combine it with the Harlem Shake? Um, yeah, no. why don't we do that, Paul? Um, like, Rob and I will we'll back you up. Yeah. You, you yeah, just, I'm just into kick it off. You just kick it off. And we'll, we'll, we'll jump in with you. Yeah. We'll be there right with you. We'll Still, behind. Yes. highlights and lowlights of episode five. I'll go first for a change. Cool. Okay. Highlight for me is totally the breaker and ripcord taking out the power line. Oh, you power bastard! Line. Yeah, oh, you stole that's my, my one. favorite moment. Yeah, that's my favorite. Moment. It's all that's our right. favorite moment. But that's, I'd ex- I'd expand on that by saying like just the build up to that hmm. fight, like the the fight itself, I care less about. I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's cool. I mean, like, you've got Destro mm. arriving on the scene and shooting the shit out of the place. Mm. And then, like, stark silence. Like, okay, where's Zartan's response? What's going on? <laughs> he shot the wrong ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he missed all the ones that had guns. Guns. And building the tension on that is, you know, the two-man G.I. Joe squad, which is something you seldom see, especially mm. with second stringers like Breaker and Ripcord. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's the high point of this episode for Love all that. three of us, it seems. Mm. Yeah, definitely. No, because it's it's really it oozes with all kinds of cool, you know. <laughs> and uh, the low point, I'm gonna weigh in first just so that I can it, stop you it, guys from stealing my thunder. <laughs> Duke's personal distress beeper. Oh yeah. If there was uh, one thing that could have negated the entire miniseries, it was Doofus Duke pulling out that damn thing. Four episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, totally. Another high point for me, it's something I had I didn't mention earlier in the in the episode and none of you guys did either. I love that line by Cobra Commander that quit sputtering like a like a wet toaster. <laughs> <laughs> it is the craziest simile. Like it just does a wet toaster sputter a wet toaster. Like I imagine it, it would sputter. <laughs> just fizzles, surely. Yeah, but I mean, I just love it. It's just such a dick thing to say, actually. But I, I enjoyed it's kind that. Of sinister. It, yeah. What it tells me is like Cobra Commander's dispatched a few enemies by shoving toasters into their bars. Exactly. That. It, <laughs> it's got a seriously dark overtone. And on the topic of lines, also once again, love that delivery of uh, Destro's about um, nature going mad or nature gone mm. mad. Love that. I think it's uh, very cool. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say it's actually kind of sexy in a lot of ways. It makes Destro stand out as a different class of villain, which I enjoy. It puts him above characters like uh, Major Blood and Cobra Commander in the show. It, you said it, it was does... sexy. Did you have a bit of an adult moment? Oh, yeah. I had a total adult moment. I was like, hey, that's pretty sexy. And Michelle was like, yeah, that actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I should watch this show with my girlfriend sometime. Mm. Damn. Totally oh, wait. You. She's in another country. Fuck you guys. Aww. Aww. Low points, and really, there aren't that many for me in this show. Hold on, guys. We we skipped like a whole important section. 
<laughs> yeah, we we glossed we... over. Storm yeah, Shadow. Mission Impossible. Totally, dude. And we got Storm Shadow sneaking into Joe HQ. Short fuse that's like, it's real quiet. And then the other Joe, and I don't know who he's meant to be. He's all like, he sounds all Latino and shit. He's well, like, who could be then? I don't know, Zap. dude. Zap. Zap? Rafael Melendez. And then they laugh. They're like, hee 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 but the weird the thing fuck is, are you guys on about? and they're whispering. Yeah. They whisper, and then also when they cut back to them a bit later during, you know, the, the storm shadow sequence, they're whispering outside. They're like, yeah. "Oh, did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't hear anything now. Oh, I heard it again. I heard that nothing again. I'm gonna have to go check it out." <laughs> <laughs> It's like they're getting stoned or something, you know? <laughs> you hear anything? Nothing. Neither do I. That's what bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys might think I'm bananas or something, but... We know you are bananas, Sharfuse. What's on your mind? A couple of minutes ago, when I didn't hear anything... Yeah? I ain't hearing it again. I gotta check it out. Yeah, man. Well, they're original 13 guys. They're like, you know, they're on their way out. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're hardcore. Uh, they're yeah. saddled with guard duty. It's overs. Mm. Yeah, Did you see we had a precursor to uh, Law and Order? That was quite cute. Guarding yeah. the ion correlator on the inside, mm. you had a guy with his canine. Not with his canine, with Timber. Actually, that, that's oh, what. It, yeah, that's that's timber. how Timber is drawn in the animated series. Yeah, that's oh, legitimate Timber. Yeah, that's why Timber's got like ninja tuition, dude. Well, that is a like... really tame wolf. They're using mm. it as a as a watchdog. Jeez, it's Snake a wild animal. Isn't even around. Which brings me to a scene that brings me great amusement when uh, they finally spot Storm Shadow. And they're like, up there, stop him! And Storm Shadow throws a ninja star at them, and you think that Timber's going to jump up and grab it with his mouth, but he doesn't. It misses him, and it's a gas cloud, and they all fall yes. asleep. And I love the expression on Timber's face. He looks properly goofed. <laughs> He's out. And how do you know that, it, that it's putting him to sleep? Because one of them had to say, sleeping gas! <laughs> Gas. <laughs> Otherwise, you, what we would think that he killed them. Yeah, as opposed to cyanide or I don't know mustard, mustard gas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sleeping gas! But they did that also when the Cobra Commander escapes in the prison sequence. It's like, oh, gas! <laughs> Put the alarm on. About that sequence, fantastic soundscape. Hmm. They definitely mm. had a very well-defined goal when they staged that sequence and conceived it because all of Storm Shadow's devices and pulley and the hook and cutting the glass, all of that is so nicely handled by the mixers.
big ups on the sound guys for that sequence. It was spectacular. And, and really and like quite a fun accessories and stuff. Ah. Why yeah. did we forget about it? <laughs> because he's that sneaky. <laughs> yeah, Storm Shadows slipped dude. right right past us like a ghost in the night. Crazy. Definitely a high point of this this episode. Probably even the whole Revenge of Cobra, I think. For me at least. Yeah, Storm Shadows Storm Shadows payoff is is also something that I I really take from this series because as I was saying in our episode 42 Battle at the Top of the World Storm Shadow has this running thing with spirits that Storm Shadow is going to let spirit go with the ion correlator Storm Shadow is going to pay off that life debt but he's still going to get on top of it he's still mm. going to win the day because mm. he is the ultimate warrior he is Savvy. Savvy enough to know that sometimes you must walk away from the battlefield mm-hmm. empty-handed. Gather your forces and wait for the time to be right. Wait for your enemy to be unexpected. It's very um, Sun Tzu. It's very Art of War. Yeah, I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it brings us to our star rating section. Mm. And... Predictably, I gave this one the highest score I've given thus far, probably wow. because the coolness was sufficient to outweigh the things that I thought were hokey. And there weren't any instances where I thought, oh, this is awful. What am I watching? It was just right. So Storm Shadow makes me forget about Duke's homing beacon. And the arrival at Zartan's amusement park makes me forget about exactly how goofy he looks when Destro yanks him out of the water moccasin. <laughs> so I'm going to give this one four stars out of five. Oh yeah. I am going to actually give it the same score. I'm also going to give it four out of five. It maintains the coolness established in the last episode. It also brings the entire miniseries uh, to new heights in a lot of ways. But little hokey things like... Uh, Duke being able to have saved the whole mission in episode one is what's pulling it away from being a five. One other thing, I'm surprised the writers never thought of this, but one trump card Joe could have actually played at great risk is to destroy their part of the Weather Dominator and maybe have Doc find an alternative measure to fix the uh, the weather crisis. But we know why <laughs> they didn't, because it would just be overcomplicated and convoluted, and we don't want that. So yeah, I give it a solid four. Loved it. Great to see some cool characters doing what they actually do best, even if they aren't necessarily the right characters doing that thing. Rob? Oh, it's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very satisfying end to the entire miniseries. You know, it brings together a lot of the threads, <laughs> the vines that, you know, that have come through the series. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely also give it four stars. The it sweeps the ball with four. Yeah, the goodness that happened that occurs in the episode, as as you said, Stephen, it kind of outweighs all the little like the weird little niggly things. And Cobra's exit, I shall return. (laughs) (laughs) Along with uh, Zartan's epic piggyback of uh, Destro's grand escape. Yeah, that's a cute little moment. (laughs) Joe Snow. (laughs) <laughs> yes, they yo Joe for every location that gets fixed. Like, yes. Okay, fix uh fix Washington. Yo Joe. 
fix uh, Cairo. Cairo. Yo, Joe! Fix our base. Yo, Joe! Oh. And this line, I think, sums up at least um, Revenge of Cobra for me, or at least this little exchange. Breaker says, well, nobody's perfect. And then Flint goes, no, but we do okay. Yes, <laughs> I think that's, that's very cool. You know, like that's the last line in the whole thing. And it's not I a think... perfect animated miniseries by any stretch of the imagination, but damn, it's fun to rewatch. It does okay. The magic, <laughs> the magic stays intact, no matter what you fault it on now as an adult. It still has a magnetic pull. Maybe it's just seeing toys that I absolutely adore being willed into cartoon animation. Mm. but it really does do something for me. Maybe it's just hearing the voices of these characters all come to life. Maybe that's the biggest thrill. There are some fantastic performances in this miniseries and in, throughout the entire series. I really love the voice acting in the G.I. Joe cartoon. I think it's it's superb, especially compared to its, well, I'd say successor, which would be the, the Deke series, which <laughs> has questionable dialogue. <laughs> and questionable pacing at times. Look, maybe it's a case of casting, maybe it's a case of direction. But yeah, they were firing on all cylinders back in '84. Any standout voices that you, you you absolutely adored? Destro's definitely way up there. He's uh, his performance is great the whole way through. I uh, loved Zartan. Especially love what they do with the sound with Zartan, the effect that they give his voice. Um, as you guys noticed, the um, Glowing on him uh, tends to disappear throughout the miniseries. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully. And I dig uh, Old Shipwreck. You don't have to look at the screen. You hear those voices immediately. And A, you know it's them. And B, they're kind of likable already. Uh, and Roadblock, again. Th- those would be the, the most standout for me uh, in the show. Uh, I love those voices. They're great. They do cool stuff. Like I said, they establish these characters without actually seeing them. Just in case anyone was wondering, the way our star rating seems to have shuffled these episodes is the least favorite held by all, with an average score of 2.2 stars out of 5, is <laughs> The Palace of Doom, episode 3, which is The Middle Child. Next up from that, we have episode 2, The Vines of Evil, with a score of 2.8 out of 5. In third place or in the middle, <laughs> is episode one with 3.5 stars out of five. And then the top two spots are the penultimate and ultimate episodes. Battle on the Roof of the World, episode four, got 3.8 stars. And Amusement Park of Terror, which is a terrible name, actually, uh, <laughs> comes out on top with four stars out of five. Do you guys have any mysteries or any weird discoveries that you may have found in the five episodes? Anything that kind of struck you as a bit odd? Maybe there's a character in the background, something maybe you didn't recognize that you might not have covered in in the previous episodes. Something tells me you've got uh, something on the tip of your tongue there, Paul. I do, I do. That's why I wanted to check if anybody noticed. In the first episode, and I'm pretty sure it's the first episode, you see Cobra Commander actually take off his helmet and then put his hood on. His back is faced towards the camera, and you don't actually see his head, because what they do is they sort of do a shot where you only see like the top of his neck kind of thing. It's very brief. 
But he kind of, he takes his helmet off and puts his hood on after he gets off the helicopter and everything. It's kind of weird. It stands out to me as being strange because Cobra Commander later on will be portrayed as being very secretive about his identity and not wanting mm. people to see his face. And the comic also tends to work in that direction. And also it's one of the greatest mysteries is what does Cobra Commander's face actually look like in G.I. Joe. Another thing is, and for me, I felt that this entire miniseries, it plays a few homage to Star Wars. You've got scenes that sort of come from Star Wars in a weird way. You've got the, the speeder chase through the swamps of the Skyhawks and the Chameleons. It's very reminiscent of Endor. Once again, you've got Cobra Commander taking off his helmet, putting his hood on. And if you actually look, he's got all this like robotic stuff on the back of his head, which is very similar to Darth Vader before he puts his helmet on. And then you've got a bit of Indiana Jones happening, you know, with the Temple of Doom, <laughs> or Palace of Doom. And the biggest mystery, and this is actually a mystery, very last episode, very last scene, when they're all saying Yojo, Yojo, Yo Snow, there is a Joe there that's got like a tan outfit, and he's got a very peculiar backpack, and I can't for the life of me figure out who he is. It's weird, he almost seems like a precursor to Dial Tone. <laughs> like maybe... The guy's got like a prototype of dial tone before dial tone looked like dial tone. Could it not be breaker miscolored? It could very well be. It um, could be because I mean he was on top of the weather dominator. Maybe he climbed down. <laughs> became tan. Did it look like he had a microphone mouthpiece? Yes, it does. Uh, he does have something like that. He's also <clears throat> his backpack is very similar in some no, ways. No, that to isn't dial him tone. actually yeah. because breaker at this part in, this, in, in the episode is still on top of the thing. Okay. That's just some random guy. He mm. just looks like a green shirt, basically. And um, weird. He's tripwires got... in there. And another really dark green dude in the background. It is weird. <laughs> so just we a just few needed mysteries. to fill yeah. this frame up. <laughs> yeah. With Joe's. Loaded with Joe's. So yeah, those are just my my, my like my personal closing comments for the review section of G.I. Joe Berg. Speaking of filling this miniseries up with Joes, did you know that out of the 87 toys that uh, were available at that stage of the run, only 23 of those 87 were not shown in this miniseries? Wow. Wow, dude. That's... About 25%, just over. Yeah, just about. That's crazy. They got most of the toys in. Absolutely. That's a job well done. And by that, I'm also including things like the bivouac, the machine gun defense unit, the missile defense unit, the mortar defense unit, the mountain howitzer. So pretty bog-standard, banal toys. Mm. That's included in the count. Yeah, and the Cobra Asp is in there as well in the final sequence here when they're attacking. Mm. Yep, they even managed to sandwich in short views. But most notably, out of the characters that were not included, you don't got no Hawk. Yes, that's a very big hole. It probably never even dawned on the writers that he was actually calling the shots. Mm. (laughs) Because as we've established... Mr. Friedman doesn't pay much attention to the file cards. It seems Duke, he's the guy in charge of G.I. Joe. And when he's not Mm. there, it seems like Flint is. And if Flint isn't around, it's like whoever is there can kind of like, hey, who's got a suggestion? Doc. (laughs) 
Doc, doc science, come on, tell us, tell us your ideas. Okay, let's go there. You know, it's like whoever's willing to do something, they just do it. It's very, very not militaristic. They fix that later on, though. They do. Okay. Well, I mean, definitely, you see that in the G.I. Joe movie. I mean, they even have that the tribunal and everything, you know, the whole case. Mm. Well, not case, but the whole, like, you know, hey, court we, martial. you were bad. Mm. Yeah, the court martial. I mean, there's definitely a lot more military stuff going on. But here it's like, hey, we're just a ragtag bunch of uh, individuals. Yeah, we do okay. They're not perfect, but they do okay. Yes. <laughs> Other notable absences, obviously Ace. You see a whole lot of Sky Strikers. But no but Ace. No Ace. Mm. Because I everyone suppose... can fly them. <laughs> yep. I mean, he does make appearances later on in the series. But in The Revenge of Cobra, Ace is nowhere to be seen. I guess he becomes redundant. Airborne, who typically finds his way into the gunner's seat on the dragonfly, also absent. Because I guess they didn't want to have to animate two people in the cockpit when Wild Bill is personality enough to fill that Mm -hmm. chopper. And also, hey, you can't have two Native Americans on the team, can you? Yeah. New, new. They even managed to sandwich in some 1985 toys, which were not yet available to consumers. We had Flint, Lady J, Shipwreck, Snake Eyes in his version 2 look, Buzzer, Ripper, Torch, the Crimson Guardsman, and a Trouble Bubble. Very so, cool. building excitement for product yet to come. Now, something I wanted to do at the end of this series is ask you gentlemen what your favorite G.I. Joe in Revenge of Cobra is, your favorite Cobra, and your favorite vehicle. Anybody want to take a crack? Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) My favorite Joe is Roadblock. I mean, you guys have said he's a new character that they introduced at this point in the cartoon series, and they they really gave him a lot of airtime, and they gave him his own story, and I really like that. And I think he's probably the most distinctive, most interesting person who comes out of this. I mean, Shipwreck is cool, you know, and he's got his focus on trying to, you know, get into bed with Lady Hawkeye. I mean, Lady J. Um, <laughs> but Roblox definitely has a personality, and he gets really fun moments. Like, you know, like the moment where he's singing, he gets to take on cougars um, and jail <laughs> vines. <laughs> and vines. And he has a cool idea, you know, with the vines as well, bringing it back in there. And he, he has took his a own bite out adventure. of Honda's apple. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I really like that. You know, he, he to me, he feels like the, the standout individual in Revenge of Cobra. And Second, seconded. Well, yeah, definitely. You should no, say. I'm, I'm saying he is yes. also my favorite G.I. Joe character. Excellent. Out of Revenge of Cobra. And I surprised myself saying that because I've never gravitated towards Roadblock previously. Mm. But he really does do a bang-up job in this miniseries of of standing out and being signature for a number of reasons, none of them being carrying around a big machine gun. Yeah, it's not about him being a machine gun. It's about him being an interesting person. And he is. From this, you get that feeling. With a little bit of a crazy streak. Yeah. And that brings me to my favorite Cobra, Sartan, the other crazy guy of the series. (laughs) Seconded again. (laughs) They also build him up to be a very interesting character who isn't necessarily toeing the line. I mean, he's in it, it seems, for the gold. And Cobra Commander, somehow, he respects that. 
you know, there might be overtones of like, I'll get you at the end, but he still respects him for like going after what he wants and just doing, doing what he feels he needs to do for himself. Well, who else is going to pack Cobra Commander's overnight bag? (laughs) (laughs) Zata and the Dreadnoughts have the most amazing luggage skills. Yes, definitely. I mean, he's he's skilled with luggage. He's got the cool voice going on and the lights and the whole hokey, like, ah, sunlight, which thankfully they did not bring into this episode. I was expecting him to say that as he flew off on the the hang glider. It legitimizes Ah! the toy. It legitimizes the toy. The toy will do yes. that if you put it in sunlight. Yeah. Yes, it's the cartoon, the, co- the comic book kind of leaves that detail alone before long. But the cartoon, bless their cotton socks, endeavor to build it into his character. Yes, he goes blue in the sunlight. What is his attitude to that? Well, he doesn't like it. Mm. Yes. Because it messes with his camouflage ability. Yeah. The toy's going to do that, so you might as well... Give a valid explanation for it. Yeah. Which I don't think we ever got in the comic book. And uh, bravo, kudos to the cartoon for doing it. Yeah, good and job. Sticking, sticking with it. <laughs> and that brings me to my favorite vehicle. For me, weirdly enough, it has to be the Cobra-faced VTOL hmm. jet. Because it, it kind of fills a, a role that you know the Cobra doesn't really have, at least toy-wise. And it's multi-purpose, and it's like a TARDIS from Doctor Who. Mm. Bigger on the inside, enormously bigger. It features so heavily in the series, and it actually makes a lot of what Cobra was doing possible, you know, carting all of those vehicles along across the world to wherever they're going and disgorging whatever they needed when they got there. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just vomit out an earth-boring machine. Yes, you need an earth-boring <laughs> machine? Cool, I got one of those in here. You need a couple of Rattlers to bomb a um, Bayou uh, World Park. Yeah, I've got a couple of those in here. <laughs> well, what else you need? I got nice price. Special for you. you my friend. <laughs> Everything inside there. Why did Cobra even need a temple? You know, a Cobra temple. They just needed to stay inside that aircraft. The Mary Poppins bag of the G.I. Joe world. Brilliant. So th- those are my, my, my three favorites. Yay, I get to diverge from you at long last. Awesome. <laughs> For best vehicle, I went with the Sky Striker. Well, of course. <laughs> you know me far too well. A good animated TV series that ties in with a toy line should give you further appreciation and love of those toys. Mm. And no other toy gives me that kick as much as the Sky Striker's portrayal. It features heavily in the cartoon. They expand its capabilities somewhat, and I'm okay with that. Because, let's face it, I'm kind of happy we don't have to sandwich shipwreck into the cockpit of the Sky Striker that sits before me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's a bit of an unwelcome guest. So I've got Flint and Lady J sitting in there, and they do look quite spectacular. It was so much the Millennium Falcon of this series. I mean, we've made enough Star Wars analogies Mm. to to make another one fit quite comfortably. It was their Cadillac of the Skies. You had Han, Leia, and Lando rocking the globe from the cockpit of a Sky Striker. And, man, I know it defies my adult sensibilities, 
But holding the toy in my hands and having Flint and Lady J in the cockpit and still being in possession of the original parachutes, mm. I just want to fly that sucker around and have Lady J and Flint make an insertion and have the Sky Striker fly back home like a homing pigeon on its own. <laughs> Bye. And just use it the way it was intended, the way the commercial intended it, and the way the animated series intended it. Our combat jets are on the way. Hey, check my missiles. They're A-OK. Great, I'm going down for a closer look. Way to go, Joe. G.I. Joe Sky Striker comes with Ace and two parachutes. Other figures sold separately from Hasbro. My appreciation for this toy grows every day. So that brings us up to you, Paul. Your favorite yeah. G.I. Joe character, your favorite oh, my... Cobra character, and your favorite vehicle. Okay, my favorite Joe character in this miniseries, hands down, Shipwreck. Uh, I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious. I think you guys saw that coming. I dig his portrayal. I never knew Shipwreck existed until I saw the cartoon. Like, there was no evidence that Shipwreck ever existed before I saw the cartoon. I never saw him on catalogs. I never saw him in the back of packaging. Nothing. And if I did, didn't even pick up on it or notice it. Okay? So, here's the sailor character that just stands out. And when I originally watched these shows on VHS long ago, they were cool. And Shipwreck was always cool. He was a bit of a dunce. But then I got to watch this miniseries in my adult years with the um, acquisition of the box set. And Shipwreck just turned into almost like Han Solo for me. He's so cool. He's such a cool character. I always figured that Lando had to become Han to be cool. He wears the black waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it does make me a little sad to see that he doesn't get, like, a long jacket variant, you know, like a Captain Ahab variant, but whatever. Did you not see see his picture on the card back to your 1986 sci-fi? Dude, you know what? I didn't. I'm sure I did, but I also didn't. You know what I mean? I was really, really young. I uh, I think at that time I was just so... It's just a blur, you know, like I said, like it's just it's not something that just registers, I don't have it as a memory. So when I just saw him in the show, I was just like, Oh, okay, well that's a sailor. Like he's very distinctly a sailor. And like I said, I always thought he was a bit of a dunce in the one or two episodes that I had. And then when he comes to life, when you actually see him introduced like this, character completely comes alive. He becomes something way cooler. Favorite Cobra in the series. My knee-jerk reaction is Zartan, because Zartan is just one of my favorite characters, <laughs> period. But uh, actually, Destro. <laughs> I tend to sympathize with Destro throughout this entire show, because he's he, he's always like doing cool stuff, and he's always getting puned for it. I mean, Cobra Commander you know, gives him shit when Zartan comes back with the, with the piece of the Weather Dominator. No, like, oh, thanks, Destro, whatever. No, no, no. I can sympathize with Destro. He's just, he just left out. You know. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, he's actually calling the shots. He's the dude. He's actually coming up with all the cool plots and the schemes and doing all this really awesome stuff in that miniseries, in the beginning anyway. He's up there firing the Weather Dominator, and yeah, he gets no love. In saying that, I've got that piece of the Weather Dominator. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a seat, but it is cool to put modern-era Destro with it, because I don't have a vintage Destro yet. Mm-hmm. So... It's cool to put modern era Destro there, especially in my new one, my 50th anniversary Destro. And he's all like, yeah, nature gone mad. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that. So that's my favorite Cobra. Favorite vehicle. Oddly enough, the Chameleon. 
there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Skyhawks are buzzing around. Sky Strikers are doing what Sky Strikers do. Got enough vamps to shake a stick at, but Chameleon. That scene in the first episode is so cool with the Chameleon Swamp Chase that I'm actually going to dig out, well not dig out, but I'm going to grab the Chameleon that came with my 25th Zartan, which is silly compared to the real one, to the real Chameleon from the vintage era. I don't know, the, the vintage one is pretty silly too, but at least it's not puny sized. Bite sized. Yeah. Mini cheddar size. Mini cheddar size. <laughs> I, I dig it, having looked at the catalogue uh, uh, for the Chameleon you get that big box and then you're supposed to put the chameleon's parts in there and then you put Zartan's other face on him and it's supposed to come off as some vagrant uh, hauling scrap metal around. Well, it does set up Zartan's super luggage packing abilities. It does. It does too. But it's a cool vehicle and I actually wouldn't mind getting my hands on like two or three now because I think it would add some cool dioramas and stuff for me this side. Considering that I have Dreadnoughts in Vintage and modern era flavor. So, yeah. Good for you, man. While Ron and the team ignored quite flatly the file cards, it seemed they were paying attention to the vehicle blueprints because an Mm. often overlooked feature of the Chameleon is that it has a high-pressure water nozzle, sort of a water gun, on its underside. Yeah. That's not a laser. It's for firing water, jets of water. And that's how Zartan capsizes Colonel Sharp's hovercraft. Yeah, that was very cool. They kind of lock them on, you know, they like target lock his thing, and then the the hose kind of sprays in the direction it needs to go. That was very cool. Yeah, hoses him down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And with that, gentlemen, I think it's safe to say we have reached the end of our Revenge of Cobra retrospective. It's been a great 30th anniversary. Maybe next year we'll do the same with uh, The Pyramid of Darkness. A.K.A. The Further Adventures of G.I. Joe. I mean, no hindsight. No hindsight. (laughs) I've got to say that for me, The Revenge of Cobra is much better than the G.I. Joe movie. Like, I really prefer this to the G.I. Joe movie. Hmm. Because, I mean, I've never really... Globulous and that entire like sort of like sci-fi element to the G.I. Joe movie just never gelled with me, you know? and and I think I have made that you made that quite clear that opinion yeah. very clear that I really didn't like it. And it leaves a bad taste. To, yeah, yes, it does, and this kind of feels more Joe and more Cobra to me. It gets a bit hokey at times, you know. I mean, they're using a weather dominator, but it feels more threatening and more interesting, and the fact that. There's kind of payoffs for certain things, like the vines later on, and the characterization, you know, of certain characters is very cool, and introductions, and these very cool, like cliffhanger moments. Of I, I quite enjoyed those as well. Literally. And the whole, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole sequence of Flint and Matt and Junkyard kind of like being undercover for a bit. I really, I, I really like this whole thing overall way more than the G.I. Joe the movie. I'm willing to watch this multiple times, and I did. You know, in in preparing for for each podcast, but it I wasn't like exactly torture. You know what I mean? It was fun to do. Definitely, and I'm <laughs> I'm really looking forward now to actually getting into the cartoon. Like, if it can come anywhere near the quality of this, then then I, I'm I'm going to be very happy. Oh, some do, some don't, <laughs> and some well, surpass it. Mm. Well, then I'm looking forward to the experience. There are mm. precious few 
choice episodes that really, for me, just, wow, what was it all about? That was mm. damn good. Well, that's awesome. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm discovering an entire undiscovered, an undiscovered part of Jojo that I have never explored, which well, then, I'm appreciative of. Well, then, I think our job here is done. <laughs> Yo, Joe! Yo, Yo Joe. Snow! Nobody's oh. perfect, but we do okay. okay. <laughs> hey, shut up, Paul. That was my line. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> man, where these scrawny vines are concerned, I'm a man with a bit. Be- <coughs> I can't do it. I need water. God. I'm a man with a big green thumb, and I'm gonna stick that thumb right up Cobra's nose. Keyhole. Nose. Oh, still can't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, GI Joe Burgers. We will resume regular broadcasts at random after a big gap, but we'll be back.